0: Loving God, we thank you for the gift of these these stories of Scripture, so ordinary and yet dramatic and extraordinary in each their own way. We thank you also for the ways that you are at work in in our individual stories and in our stories as a people. We pray that you would continue to help us to, to wrestle with these stories, to understand them anew in the light of your grace. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today's story from the book of Genesis is a very long one. Chapter 37, which Mike just read for us in full, it's only the beginning of this story of Joseph, son of Jacob, who takes center stage for the rest of the book, a full 14 chapters. And his life is quite a soap opera. It's a story of favoritism, sibling rivalry, abuse, attempted murder, immigration, famine, slavery. It's high drama. No wonder there's been so many adaptations for stage and screen. You might remember the coat of many colors, Joseph in the amazing technicolor dream coat. Never mind that early manuscripts don't mention anything about a colorful robe. It appears instead that Joseph's shirt was was special simply because it had sleeves. His family was poor, so the other kids only had tank tops. But let's not get stuck on those, those kinds of cinematic details today. There isn't time this morning to go through the full saga of, of Joseph's life, so for the most part, I'm just going to try and hit the highlights and cut to the chase, since we have a wedding to get to. <laughs> Overall, I, I think we can agree that this guy, Joseph, he went through some pretty terrible stuff. From, the age of, from a young age, and getting his special shirt taken away, that was probably the least of it. So the question underlying this, this entire section of the Bible is that if Joseph was so special, then why did God let it all happen to him? How come God didn't intervene when Joseph was being sold down the river? Where was God when all this was going down? And what was the point of it all? The moral of the story, I think, can be a little hard to sort out since God is unusually quiet, particularly through this first chapter. There's only one mention of what God may be doing, and that's near the end of the story, the part we didn't read today, where Joseph forgives his brothers for everything that they did to him. Not before Joseph messes with them a little bit, of course. He's not innocent in this whole thing. But years down the road... After it's turned into a rags-to-riches story, and Joseph is like royalty in Egypt, and his dreams have come true, and his brothers are now bowing down to him, Joseph says to them, you know, everything you did to me, you meant it for evil, but God intended it for good. Which is a little bit like saying, well, it all turned out for the best, guys. Which sounds like a mature perspective. But was it really a great outcome for for all these people, or was that just Joseph's spin on the whole thing? And even if it did turn out well, did that make it okay, what this family did to each other? Joseph's declaration at the end of the story, it even makes it seem like God was causing all of these bad things to happen, like God intended it, as if God encouraged Joseph to snitch on his brother's as if God encouraged Joseph to play favorites with his second youngest child. Did God arrange for Joseph to be thrown into a pit or to be carried off to a foreign country at the age of 17 to be sold as a slave? I don't know about you, but I have a hard time with Joseph's later interpretation of God's intent. It just doesn't sit well with me. And I'm not entirely convinced that things were better for the family after all of this either. For instance, at the end of the story, Joseph's family is no longer in the promised land, which wasn't good for them. And yes, Joseph ended up in charge of Egypt, which was good for him, but then he used his power to enslave others, which is something that God never intends. And yes, his family was taken care of because of Joseph's success but not for long. After after Joseph had died, the Egyptians eventually made all of his family's descendants also into slaves. All of them. So eventually, it appears that what goes around comes around. That's how the Israelites came to be slaves in Egypt. All because Joseph's brothers sold him out for 20 pieces of silver. And is that what God intended? I don't think so. And here's why this matters. Because you and I, all of us here and everyone around the world, we also have stories. Stories of drama and struggle and sometimes injustice. We all come from families that have their own forms of dysfunction and rivalry and occasional tragedy. The details differ, but often the effects can be the same. We struggle with what to do with it all. All the bad experiences that become a part of our individual histories. It can be all too easy to conclude, as Joseph did, that maybe God intended it. As if suffering is somehow just what God intends for us also. But that's not necessarily a good way to frame our stories. For example, it appears to me as though this kind of thinking is is what led Joseph to participate so willingly in the exploitation of others. Maybe he thought to himself, you know, I had to suffer. I had to pay my dues. So those people should have to suffer too. That's just how the world works. Have you ever encountered someone with that kind of cynical attitude? It's certainly true what they say, that hurt people hurt people. But in the end, that's Joseph's interpretation. It doesn't have to be ours. Last week, I suggested that we have the freedom to revisit our stories, as well as stories like this one, and we can rewrite them or at least reinterpret them Tell them a different way, from a different perspective. And that's partly what we see Jesus, Joseph doing here in the story in order for, to forgive his brothers. It was well-intentioned. He looks back on the circumstances that led to his situation in Egypt. He concludes that God must have planned all of it, the deceit and abuse included. That's how Joseph comes to terms with what happened to him but we can choose to look at it differently still. When we take the long view, it appears instead as though God didn't intend this family to end up in slavery. It was simply a consequence of their mistakes, of their sins against each other. Joseph, Jacob, and his sons made mistakes. They hurt each other like most people do, and then terrible consequences ensued. God didn't intend this chain of events, but the good news is that in spite of all this evil, in spite of their many mistakes and problems, God provided for this family anyway. That's the ultimate point of the story. God loved and cared for this family in spite of their many mistakes. God didn't intend any of the evil that was done, but God still managed to bring some good out of it nevertheless. As in, you know, at least they all survived. At least, at least Jacob's family didn't starve to death during the famine. And at least they survived together. At least there was some reunification and reconciliation. Maybe it wasn't perfect, but it was something. And a further hopeful thing about this story is that it didn't end there either, with the sins of Joseph and his brothers being passed on permanently to later generations. Because eventually, God heard the cries of his people in slavery and set them free from their plight in Egypt so that they could return to the promised land of Jacob and Joseph Down the road, there was a guy named Joshua, who was one of the first to get there, get back to the promised land. In Hebrew, the names Joshua and and Joseph are pretty much the same. So it's like Joseph eventually got to go home. Legend has it that Moses even buried Joseph's body there in Canaan, where he had come from. And the story still doesn't end there. Then there was a, a third Joseph, or a fourth, depending on how you count, since the name Jesus is also pretty much synonymous with the name Joseph in Hebrew. In many ways, Jesus also then followed in this first Joseph's footsteps. He too was a kind of favorite of his father. Like Joseph, some of Jesus' brothers were jealous of his many gifts, of his many dreams. They also mocked and betrayed Jesus to death, And like Joseph of old, Jesus forgave them. He sought to save his people from sin and death. But then Jesus took the story in a different direction. Because unlike Joseph, Jesus didn't then use his power to exploit others. Nor did Jesus pass on the legacy of his family's injustice. This time, Jesus not only changed the interpretation of the story, He changed the ending too. Jesus railed against the idea that God would ever cause anyone to experience oppression or pain. Jesus demonstrated how God is always instead among us working for healing, for provision, for the reconciliation of all of God's children And by the grace of God, this can be our trajectory as well. As we learn to reconsider and rewrite our own stories, our stories, too, can have a different ending when we choose the way of Christ. We who have been baptized into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, no matter our history, no matter what has happened to us in the past, our future can and has been changed. We know how our story ends, and it has a way better conclusion than even the story of Joseph. Our destiny also lies in the promised land. But ours isn't a plot in the Middle East. Our home isn't just over Jordan. Because of Christ Jesus, we are headed toward abundant life in the very kingdom of God. The kingdom of justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, where no further harm is done on all of God's beautiful blue-green earth. And simply focusing on this dream, on this promised ending, well, it, it can change our understanding of the past too. We don't have to pretend, as Joseph did, that what came before was all good. Some early parts of our stories may have been terrible. Perhaps God wasn't a part of it at all. But as St. Paul once wrote, we can now count all of that as loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. The suffering that may have come before isn't the main part of our stories anymore. For it is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives within us. Because of Jesus, we can even remind one another that we no longer walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we walk in the path of the Lord. We follow the Prince of Peace, the righteous and gracious One who has called and claimed us as co-heirs of salvation. Therefore, we too can forgive our brothers and our sisters. Not because what they did was necessary or fated or easily forgotten, but because God in Christ has forgiven us and God has welcomed us into the everlasting arms of love. This is our end. This is our destiny. This is God's dream for us a promise that will be fulfilled. And this ending overshadows everything that has gone before. Today we have the additional gift and honor of celebrating the wedding of two wonderful disciples of Jesus who already share in this glorious ending that we have been promised in Christ Jesus. And now they are choosing to walk together into a glorious future, a joyful future, far better than even that of Joseph's dreams. By entering into a covenant of love with one another, they are at the same time rewriting their former stories and creating something entirely new, an ending that will outshine everything that has come before. Pain will still be a part of it. Forgiveness will still be necessary. The past will not be erased. But the joy that they share in union with one another will be for all a foretaste of the good life that is to come. The ending that God has promised for all of God's people. Truly, friends, God is at work in all of our stories. No matter how much drama there may have been in the past, God is working to bring all of us to glorious ends for the consummation of all creation, where all will be made whole again and suffering shall be no more, when peace shall reign over all the earth, when all God's children will live long and full lives, Victorious over the powers of sin and death. One in the Spirit, filled with God's goodness. Rejoicing in God's love. Amen? Amen. Amen.